We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Steve Rosenblum. We suck so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. and um, good thing. And apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done founding members of the wb club wake and bake come on where's toby so i'm practicing you know social distancing and i have a few tips for everybody you know you know no sharing pipes or joints things like that the three words that describe this show and i quote stink stank Stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Saturday Suckage, we're right here for you. The post-Hanukkah, pre-Christmas, our holiday edition. We'll be rolling out all of our our total catalog of holiday songs. Me, Steve Rosenblum, him, Mark Grody, broadcasting live from Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Three hours of Saturday Suckage, like it ought to be, and hopefully enough to last for the next three weeks when they've kicked us off the air. Oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Steve. Great to hear your voice. Always is on a Saturday morning at 11.03, December 19, 2020, as time runs out in 2020. Thank God. And we are after, it's pretty amazing that after the sky was falling on the Bears and its fans, it is now relevant at least one more time, one more time, two more times. I don't know, but it's all about this Minnesota game. We hate hearing it, but we are truly in a one-game-at-a-time scenario because it is it's sudden death right now for the Bears. It, it, it won't totally mathematically eliminate them if they lose to the Vikings, but for all intents and purposes, it will, and it'll, yes. it'll restore what... Some of us think was just such a fraud perpetrated on football last week where 
the people believing that something good happened last week against a beat-up Texans team that was that was horrible by any standards, one of the worst in the league, one of the worst defenses in the league. And, and I guess the barometer is they're going to be playing defenses nearly as bad as that the rest of the way, not quite as bad. But that's the way you can only play the teams in front of you. And in the Bears' case, you can only lose to the teams in front of you. And How about is, this? There is a, that, yes. was a, that, that was a measuring stick game for the Bears. They're not that bad. They're not. They're not. And so how good are they? Well, I think we found out from... I think they're exact... They probably are a case of a team whose record is precisely indicative of what they are, right? One game under 500. That's about the Bears, isn't it? Because... They had this great 5-1 and one start, and then they did this horrible... The losing streak was worse than the winning streak was good. Let's face it. That was a six, yes. torturous, <laughs> torturous six-game losing streak where so many things happened. So many... Like, everything came undone at some point in time during that. There were injuries. There was quarterback malfunction. There was defensive malfunction. Like, you name it, and it came undone during... There was, everybody questioned suddenly the coach and the future of the general manager, and just everything got questioned. Like the entire organization was put through this complete spin cycle of of questioning everything, except for, ironically, if you go back to 2018, the kicker. The kicker thrived throughout the six-game losing streak. Of all things. Of all things, man. Of all so, things. Right? I mean, so that, that's, yeah. that's where we are, bud. I mean, I think, would you agree or disagree yes. that six and seven yeah. is about, like, sometimes your record is not indicative of who you are. In the Bears' case, it is. I think it's right there. I, I, think, the, um, I think the idea of – so compare losing to Detroit with beating Houston. It is a matter of degrees. They're they're worse than Detroit. Mm. That but they they can beat Houston. That was all beat up and and look at that. The Bears chose the right quarterback, even though they chose the wrong quarterback. And their coaches, their coach is guilty of coaching malpractice every time something like last Sunday happens. So I I don't know. We're we're if that's the case, what is what does that tell you? Just that the Bears are. Uh, wildly inconsistent, that you cannot trust them, they're unreliable, they deserve what exactly? If they can lose to Detroit and blow a big lead and they can beat Houston like that to make people dr- look like, sound like they're on psychedelics, where are we with that? Is that six and seven and just living week to week? Is that how it goes? Yeah, I mean, there's no predicting. It's like even <laughs> okay. Vegas can't predict. No, what the Bears can. and Vikings are going to right? I mean, they've got Minnesota's a three-point favorite, which basically means it's an even game because you give three points to the home team, right? So, yeah, it's it's impossible to predict. You could definitely have hope, I mean, because the Bears are unpredictable. But that hope okay. can be in a cynical sense, too. Okay, so let's let's review this. Because of the, the unpredictability and just because football is, is generally stupid when it, when when viewed through the bear's prism. Let's start with this. The, the, the art, one of the three best running backs in the league, arguably the best Dalvin cook is dominated by the bears. 
he averages 2.8 yards per carry in the four games that they play that the Bears have played against him. They own a game-changing running back. All right, and they did until Akeem Hicks got hurt, and so the most valuable person on the Bears is the guy who keeps Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks healthy. That is absolutely it. So then this Bears team gets gets Kirk Cousins in a national game on national TV where he sucks. He's just an embarrassment. And Kirk Cousins on third down against that Bears defense completes 10 of 11 passes for 149 yards, two TDs. In fact, seven of his 10 completions went for first downs or touchdowns. That's Kirk Cousins who did it on on an island game, national TV, when he sucks against them. And now you have that version of whatever Kirk Cousins is going to be going against the secondary that will be without Buster Screen. He's still in concussion protocol. He's out. And questionable is the way that Jalen Johnson is limited, a guy who is shoulder injury, a guy who the a guy who is a rookie but who has played with a lot of moxie and and a guy who to me looks like he has a very short memory which you need out there on the corner. So Kirk Cousins coming off a bit of confidence against the Bears in a low-scoring game and he was the difference in a lot of ways. Make us feel better. Make Bears fans feel better about the secondary, Mark. Well... I suppose you could say here's one way to spin it. If Jalen Johnson doesn't play, Uh um, he he was the one who allowed, for the most part, the Minnesota rookie receiver, Justin Jefferson, to get close to, or I don't remember the exact number, right around 130 yards. I think it was eight catches, Mm -hmm. 130 yards for Justin Jefferson. So... You know, maybe it's better off with somebody else on Justin Jefferson. <laughs> I actually don't well, believe what Duke I'm saying Shel- right now. You're a Duke Shelley fan, right? I, I do like Duke Shelley. But, no, I that's – like, you still want Jalen Johnson in there. He's still by far your best option on the outside covering somebody like Justin Jefferson. I don't have a great feeling about Jalen Johnson playing in this game, and that goes back to watching him on the sideline – and when he hurt that right shoulder, and then he he's questionable, like you said, but he didn't practice once this week. So that is a bad sign. So you could be depending on somebody like Duke Shelley or Kendall Vildor. And, yeah, they, they did. I am a fan, and they did comport themselves well, but Jalen Johnson's better. So And Buster Screen is better at this point. So it's it's hard to make a case other than, other than, you hope that a team, a defensive coordinator, a secondary coach, a linebacker, all the defensive coaches have adjusted from the first game in which, yes, they lost 19-13. I think that more of the adjustments have to come with the Bears' offense from game to game because they only scored six points on offense in that first game against Minnesota. Remember, they had the Cordero Patterson 103-yard kickoff TD return, which would be nice and would come in handy again, although I think Mike Zimmer would probably like 
walk out of the stadium if that occurred. I think he would spontaneously he would spontaneously combust yes. right there yeah. on national TV. <laughs> that would just, that would. would just be it. Bud Grant yeah, would come would. back to coach the rest of the Viking season. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So I think that it really you you got to put together a better offensive game plan this time around. Put more points on the board, and I think that we're seeing signs anyway. I don't want to get carried away with the offense and everything that's being said, but you're seeing signs of a, a better, more sturdy offense for the Bears. Okay, one thing that protects that secondary would be a pass rush. And you saw it last week for after spending months wondering where it was going to be. Khalil Mack did whatever he was able to do in all his Khalil Mackness. So is that a one-time thing? Is there a reason to just to, to believe it? Or is there a reason to think... That's a one-off. Mac has been listed as questionable, but that really doesn't matter with him. He's he's just a guy who shows up, but then, I mean, he shows up to play, but then how well he plays and the fact that everything revolves around him and Robert Quinn sucks, then if Kirk Cousins has time to throw, then that secondary is in trouble if they don't have time to throw. So how much do you believe was that pass rush was a function of the Houston Texans sucking to, to high hell or the Bears' pass rush actually improving and being able to do something against real teams? I do think that it had a lot to do with Houston. I mean, you could see, like, again, watching Khalil Mack on the sideline, he he had figured something out against his competition that Mm -hmm. week, and that offensive line, so did Roquan Smith, so did Chuck Pagano, and, you know, good for them. They exploited it, but, yeah, I would say it was – big-time function of Houston's ineptitude in this case. The problem I've seen with with Robert Quinn is just watching him, and who knows, maybe he's got a foot injury because that's been brought up. But yep. it's like he's one moving out. You know, It's like, okay, if that move doesn't work, he's down, and, and that's it. I haven't seen like the, the, the ferocious competitor – that I know Robert Quinn is, and I don't know what that is a function of, but it's like one move and he's out. Um, it was good to see, like, Khalil Mack did not appear to be favoring anything in the game last week. But, yeah, I mean, Houston just was not good. So I don't know I don't know that you could depend on repeating that and seeing another six or seven sack performance this week against Minnesota. Well, that's that there's a shame. That there's a damn shame because that's 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 what they're going to need. I don't know what to, to trust about the offense other than I don't trust um, Mitch Trubisky any one week to the next. Um, and and this coaching staff, it what as things played out, I, it, it, I want to go back to last week and, and so much has played out. But when you have David Montgomery running for 80 yards on the first play, and getting only 11 carries the rest of the game. And we had talked about this last Saturday. The Houston was a horrible rushing defense. And if you wanted to keep Deshaun Watson off the field, if you wanted to ensure victory, you keep running the ball and you keep giving it to David Montgomery because that's what you got him for. Second effort, yards after contact, just the ability to, to, to push and push and push. And we saw... A variety of things from him, but we saw him only get the ball for 11 carries after he ran 80 yards on the first play, which confirmed to me what I said last week, what I've been saying for months, that 
that Matt Nagy and his coaching staff don't recognize the game that's in front of them. I know they scored a bunch of points, but they don't know how to win. And and against a real team, that was that will be a problem. And and I don't know if there's any sense that they could that they've wised up. Do you get any sense from what you heard this week that there is a a greater hewing to the running game and keeping those two dangerous Vikings receivers off the field against that beat-up secondary. That's another way to protect Jalen Johnson or whoever's back there is to keep the ball and run it and pick up first downs. Is there any sense that they may be leaning that way? First of all, I was actually okay for once last week with the Bears not handing the ball. I was probably the only one who wasn't incensed. Uh, that the Bears <laughs> I'm incensed didn't... that you weren't incensed. <laughs> I know, I know. I, you know, th- they put 36 points up on the board. There were other things that were exploited in that game. Allen Robinson was on to something with a weak secondary last week. Mm-hmm. He had nine catches for 123 yards. Cole Komet was on to something with his four catches in, in 41 yards. So there were other things that were actually working. And so in last week's case... I had zero problem with the Bears doing what they did in the second. Like, I didn't notice. And I, I always wonder, too, are people, I know you probably are, but are people that are watching and that become enraged after the game, when they're actually watching in real time, are they are they really mad when a pass is completed to Allen Robinson that the ball was not handed off to David Montgomery? Or are they only incensed when it gets regurgitated back to them in the statistics and we're all pounding the Bears because they only, you know, had – eight rushes in the second half or whatever the case was. Are they, are they truly mad or they did say, oh, my God, I didn't realize that. The numbers pop off the page. You only gave the ball. Well, they scored 36 points, and they had other things working. So in this case, in that particular game, I was okay with it. Now, on to your, your other question about will they – have they talked about getting the ball to David Montgomery more this week? So Bill Lazor was asked the question – and, you know, he, he, of course, was regurgitated the the number because everybody's been just completely obsessed with that. And he he said, it's really not about numbers, and we don't really think about that during the game. Even though Matt Nagy said that ideally they would like to get David Montgomery the ball 15 to 20 times per game. So they, in other words, they didn't say anything this week about trying to get David Montgomery the ball more but I do think if the game plays out that way, they will. It just happened to be, again, back to Houston, a bad team. Everything was working, and they didn't have to keep on giving the ball to David Montgomery. Right. Well, two things. One is Montgomery didn't – he was held out with a concussion in the first game against the Vikings in which they lost, and they didn't run much at all. But also I think if you if you think – if you – I don't think people are incensed when Allen Robinson catches a pass or Cole Komet catches a pass that – Cole Komet is just, he looked like a beast on that one particular, the one play everybody will remember from that if you watched it and said, yeah, that's the guy they drafted. More of that, right? (laughs) I want him. Right, right. Well, more of that. But but I think this is when people get upset is when they're in the second half, the the game's won. You just want it to get over with, and you see them, you see them throwing passes and, and eating up no clock time. They... They just it's three and outs and and they can't even eat up two minutes of of clock time because they keep throwing passes and they're they're using it it seems like to make Mitch believe in himself or make other people believe in Mitch 
and you really need to just win the game. One thing Mitch needs to do, well, obviously he needs to learn to read defenses, but he needs to know how to win the game. But you're dealing with a coaching staff that shows it doesn't know how to win games when it's time to do that. And you can go back to Nagy's coach and calling plays for that, for the Chiefs in that playoff game they lost and the way he just soiled the bed in the second half. So I think that's when it happens, when you see those three and outs. You go, oh, seriously, you have to do this with a guy who can tear up their, can run through them? So I think that's when it happens. We'll discuss this in more depth. We need to welcome people to the show. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. This is Saturday Suckage. We will try to suck for the next three weeks that we won't be on the end of Hanukkah, the beginning of Christmas, and... We are going to, our guest list looks like this. We're going to talk with Jay Zawoski after this break. The score's own Jay Zawoski. Big time author, all in capital letters. The Hawks did some stuff this week that I think the only reason you understand it is money. We'll see what Jay thinks. And the NHL is about to do something that will get the Hawks another high chance at a high draft pick. They are about to realign their divisions, and we'll see just how bad things will get for the Blackhawks. Uh, that's at 11.25. At noon, Rob Schaefer will be here, NBC Sports Chicago. He will be talking Bulls. They played another game. We saw uh, Laurie Markkinen showed up. We'll see if we can believe yep. that or not. And uh, 1 p.m., we'll talk with Mark Potash of the Sun-Times. We'll talk more Bears the way Mark Grody does. Okay, Mark, should we do that? Take a break and bring... Everything you just said sounds like... I mean, I got my scale of 1 to 10 here. That's a 10, buddy. That's a 10. It is. Plus, we're going to do what Mark heard. We will gather all that stuff and give you a better idea of what what you might see tomorrow, what Mark heard this week at Hallis Hall. We will do What Are You Doing, Wagner? And we will roll out our Christmas Hanukkah song catalog. This is our last chance to do it in 2020. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He is Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage. Thanks for being here. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. 
that hockey and let's do that new walk-up music. The ever-changing tastes of the eclectic Jay Zawoski. Welcome in, welcome back. I'm Steve Rosenholm. He's Mark Rohde. This is Saturday Suckage. And we are going to welcome Jay Zawoski on the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Jay, come tell us what the Hawks have done by making Stan Bowman the boss of Stan Bowman. How are you, Jay? I'm doing wonderfully. I really enjoyed the Charmin song about my butt. That was really fun. <laughs> I liked that a lot. And uh, <laughs> I want to put that on my iPod. I said iPod so Steve knows what I'm talking about. Um, so the Hawks, okay, what do they do? Here's how I'm going to spin it. We all knew once Stan Bowman went on every podcast, including mine for some reason, uh, that he was going to be around, that he was going to be in a position of power. And if you didn't think so after that, you were kidding yourself. So... I had sort of already dealt with that reality that, okay, well, whatever this is, Stan Bowman's still in charge. So if you're trying to find a silver lining to promoting Stan Bowman after years of incompetence, what you can say is now you have created uh, a ton of accountability for him. There's no more excuse. There's no one else to blame. You can't sort of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say, well, maybe John McDonough made me do that, right? Those days are over. If hockey operations fail, the president of hockey operations should no longer be employed, right? Isn't that sort of the, that's sort of how I'm seeing it is. Okay, I don't, you know what, Stan? Jay. You've said you've said over and over again that you've got this vision, that people are on board. Let's Now let's see it. Now you are fully in charge without, beyond any shadow of a doubt, the power structure is what it is. You are your own boss. Uh, so let's see it. Now the only fear I have is if things don't go well, I guess being the director of hockey operations or the president, whatever, he can say, you know what? This was too much of a workload for me to do GM and president, so I'm going to hire a GM for under me, <laughs> and then that will buy him more time. But I don't know. I'm just – I'm sort of – I was, air quotes, on board with the plan he sold this offseason as long as he sticks to it. Um, so let's see. Now he's got a chance. He's in full power. Let's see, what, let's see it work out. Jay, the – in theory – you're right. This is the same family, although the different king wearing the crown. This is the same family that worried about the bottom line in every stance and didn't even want to win the Stanley Cup because it was too expensive when Rocky's dad was in charge and Bob Pulford was the ex-checker of the fiefdom. And so Stan Bowman can always point to, well, look what money we made or where there wasn't money. We, did, we didn't spend money on the GM. We didn't do any of this. This looks like such a, this looks less by, less driven by winning than simply by money. And I understand whatever they're losing and they might've been losing during the winning years. I understand that. Uh, but this seems a pure, this seems a financial, a financial decision if there ever was one. You agree well, or not agree? I, I, I sort of disagree because first of all, Nothing Rocky has done since the day he took over has indicated he's worried about spending on the team. They've sought free agents. They've signed their own guys to ludicrous contract extensions that they can't move. Um, and, you know, converse what you just said, whatever money they saved by making Stan Bowman the president of hockey ops, they probably spent by hiring Jamie Faulkner to be the president of business operations. So that money was spent, even though it wasn't on the hockey side necessarily, uh, I like the separation. I don't think Jamie Faulkner is going to be tapping on Stan Bowman's door saying, hey, Brandon Hagel's playing really well in Rockford. You should call him up. That's not going to happen. That interference isn't going to happen. So I like the separation. They spent the money to divide the two 
uh, operation. So I think I think that's good. I don't have any evidence that anything Rocky has done or Danny in his short time as interim president and now CEO. I, it doesn't feel like the Bill slash Arthur Words days where they're trying to pinch every penny they can. Um, I think that there are some realities that because of the pandemic, they're losing a lot of money on ticket sales and more importantly for the Words family, the beverage sales, right? So all those, those, and no one's going to feel bad for a billionaire. I sure as hell don't, being the crazy liberal I am. Um, but it is a business and they're losing money. But I, I, I haven't seen anything to indicate this offseason that they're concerned about money. And you might say, well, they didn't bring back Corey Crawford. Okay, fine, I could see that, but they're still up against the cap. They've still got to sign Dylan Strom, and uh, I think they will. So they're gonna be right up against the cap again. So they're spending all the money they can on the hockey team, I think. So I, I'm not, as far as the financial commitment goes, that's not a huge concern of mine. Jay, as you said correctly, I mean, now he, Stan Bowman has all power. It's his show, they fail. He fails, but it sounds like for now, and correct me if I'm wrong, Stan Bowman is going to be allowed to fail for right now, as in it looks like this is about development. And while it was really fun beating Edmonton last year and getting into the playoffs and then losing to Las Vegas, this is a rebuilding phase, right? Yeah, I think, look, this is very scientific, and, and you can ask all the scientists in the world. I ran a poll on the Madhouse Podcast Twitter account um, what percentage of Hawks fans were on board with a rebuild? And it was like 75%. Hawks wow. fans understand that the time, you know, the cost of being great for a decade is there's going to be a little down, a little downside while you rebuild. I think fans are on board with that. And the good news is, yes, this is a rebuild market, and that's what it should be. But a lot of your big pieces are already here. Kirby Doc is 19. Adam Boquist is 19. Alex DeBrinkett's 22. Dylan Strom is 23. I think Ian Mitchell, who's supposed to come up and contribute day one, is I think he's 21. So you've got a really good, solid foundation of young players that are already at the NHL level. Um, So it's not like a total from scratch rebuild like a lot of clubs have to do. They lucked into that number three overall pick in Kirby Doc. It looks like they knocked it out of the park. And look, if we're going to criticize Stan Bowman, no one wanted him to pick Kirby Doc. No one. And he did, and the kid was really, really good. And even, and he was maybe the best Blackhawk in the playoffs. He was just named the captain of Team Canada for the World Junior Championships. So this kid's got a huge future, and they went outside what a lot of people thought they should do and picked him. And so far, it looks like a really solid pick. And Kirby Doc was uh, is playing on the wing there. I'm never sure where he's gonna where he's gonna play, but the lines for the World Juniors, their first practice uh, up in Edmonton, I just saw they. They've got Doc on the wing, um, and you're right. He was clearly – he was a bigger player. That's what a second-year guy looks like. He came back for the playoffs, and he looked like the guy who went from his freshman year to his sophomore year. He looked like – he looked bigger, stronger, smarter. That's – that's there's hope there, no question. And the other I thing to remember about him – sorry to yeah. interrupt you, Steve. No. The, the other thing to remember is he did not have a training camp. He participated in that rookie tournament in Traverse City before the season and got concussed and missed the entire training camp. So his first time on the ice as a Blackhawk was game one of the season. So he didn't have the preseason to sort of work himself into game speed, into game shape. He just took the ice and and went. And you saw, you know, there were those flashes early on, but there was no sustained, consistent contributions from him. 
whatever he did from the stoppage in March until the resumption of play in the fall, it was a night and day. It was a night and day change. He was a dominant force. He was killing penalties as a 19-year-old. The last guy I remember doing that is Jonathan Taves. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's kind of unheard of in the NHL. So uh, the arrow is pointed way up for Kirby Doc. And if he can somehow ascend to superstar level, which I don't think is out of the question, maybe he's not a generational type like Patrick Kane, but if he could be a, a number one center for the next 10 years, you've got a big piece of that next foundation already in place. And look, you've seen Alex DeBrinkett score 40 goals already. He had a down year last year, but he was probably the most effective he's ever been at all ends of the ice. The puck just wasn't going in for him. That'll correct. He'll get those goal numbers back up. There's a lot of things to be optimistic about. I know it, it feels tough and it feels like it's really far away, but when you look at the prospects the Hawks have, they're going to be, they're, yes, they're going to lose a lot of games, but they're going to be developing these young players in game situations as they should be. The only thing I don't like is the goaltending situation because I feel like you're going to have the Hawks playing well some nights, you know, and then they're going to lose like 6-5 because the goalies are unproven and we don't know if they're good or not. So that, that that's that's my big concern. Jay, Danny Wirtz is the CEO officially. Jamie Faulkner, as you mentioned, president of business operations. How will that duo be different than what John McDonough did with the Blackhawks? It's, I, guess, I think that remains to be seen. I think John McDonough is a unique personality in this town, and I think as he was around more, people started hearing about what John's really like. And he's, you know, a lot of people will have horror stories about the way he treats employees. Some employees thrive under those scenarios. It's like a football coach. Some players like to be pushed. Some players like to be trusted. It's just a different style. I think you bring in someone uh, significantly younger than John McDonough, someone who has not really worked in sports before, and someone who comes in without the established profile of John. Like, John McDonough was a celebrity when he was hired for his status with the Cubs, and he was a public figure. Jamie Faulkner is is not yet a public figure. Maybe she will be in a year or so as, as her you know position with the Hawks becomes more forward-facing and we get to see more of what she does on a day-to-day basis. But I don't think she comes in with the established power uh, that John McDonough just sort of brought with him. And we got to remember, too, like when he came in, he was, you know, quote-unquote, the savior. He was the... He was a brilliant marketing mind that that had these outrageous ideas to put games on TV and oh pay for good players. <laughs> like the revolutionary John McDonough system of broadcasting your games. You know what I mean? So he, he came in with this sort of aura about him. I don't know if Jamie Faulkner comes in with that. And that's not a criticism. I, I think it's a really good hire. I think it's an inspired hire. But I just think it, it, it doesn't have that. And I think this is a good thing. I want to be clear. It's a, it's a good thing that she comes in without that oh my gosh, that's that's John McDonough, that's Jamie Faulkner. Nope, she's there to do her job. I'm confident she's going to do a good job. And uh, I, I very much say it again, love that hockey and business are clearly separated. There is no more uh, blurring of that line. Hockey is here, business is here. It worked for the Cubs with Theo and, uh, um, wow, Crane, Crane Kenny. Kenny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, think about the way people thought of Crane Kenny before Theo got here. Yep. Right, like he, oh, he's just, he's a, he, he, he interferes. He's trying to, to do what he wants to do. And then Theo got here and was like, nope, that won't be happening. <laughs> <laughs> right, like this is my thing, not yours, and I will handle this, and you handle this, and, and that was sort of the end of it. Um, and and I think the Cubs did well to have that separation. So I don't know. I, maybe I'm just, maybe it's just my 
my hockey itch needing to be scratched that I have this a little bit more optimism about this season than most people do and about these hires. But uh, I don't know. I'm feeling kind of good about the direction of the Hawks, even though, you know, the, the standings will probably be not beautiful next year. That's probably a good thing. Get these guys playing time. In the meantime, you get a pretty decent draft pick that can help you sooner rather than later. And uh, when you're ready to compete, you're, you're, you've already got a really nice core build. And that's what happened. People forget when Taves and Kane arrived, you had Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith who had been toiling in obscurity for years. They were hitting their prime as those two guys came. So everything jived perfectly. Hopefully that can be the same situation uh, with this new generation of Hawks. Talking with Jay Zawoski of the score of the Madhouse podcast and of the Big 50, the uh, new book that is out and right to be purchased for for Christmas. It's the perfect Christmas gift for the hockey fan there. So, Jay, I still have a question about this season coming on, but as long as we're talking about your book, and, and it was a lot of fun, and it were some terrific memories, terrific people involved, and you're, you're scratched a lot of hawks itches where can where and how can people get it well you can get it anywhere books are sold um you know it's on amazon it's on all those places it's in your local bookstore and i always try to ask people if at all possible to support uh local and independent booksellers because they're small businesses they need help now more than than they ever have before and even before they needed help so uh, my favorite is bookies uh, so you can go to bookiesbookstores.com to place an order there if you'd like a signed, personalized copy, I'm selling some on my own. It's madhousepod.com book. It's probably too late to get them in time for Christmas at this point because the postal service is just slammed right now and things are taking a little longer than usual. But if you want to print out, hey, you have this coming uh, for whoever you want to gift the book to, or if you want to get it for yourself, madhousepod.com book. You fill out that form and then I will put in there whatever you want me to uh, and send it off from my little post office in my basement. Okay, so <laughs> that that being the case, and I recommend the book. Like I said, it was a lot of fun. The the NHL is going to attempting to go ahead with this season, and they are trim, attempting to create four divisions that will be different than you've seen before. Mostly, be, first and foremost, there will be an all Canadian division if they can get the people in British Columbia to agree to that and they don't seem likely to go along with it. But there's in, in which case, if they can't get all the provinces to agree, then they may end up with the Canadian teams in the United States, like we see the Raptors in, in Tampa. And so as it stands, the first proposal has the Hawks in a division with the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay, the, uh, the runner-up Dallas... Columbus with John Tortorella, Florida with Joel Quinville, Carolina with Rod Brindamore and Tavo Teravine, and I'm sorry to break your heart that way, Jay, but we, we are at a point where the Hawks and Detroit appear to be the bottom feeders and have the two worst coaches in that division, or not. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could probably say that. I mean, they're, they're the bottom feeders for sure. Uh, the coaches thing, you've got a lot of proven coaches in the Central Division featuring Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's fair to say. But like we've been saying, this is a good thing. Get them out there against good competition. And at the end of the year, if you have a lottery pick, that's not the end of the world, right? It's, uh, it's, it's a good thing. I'm, I, you know what? The one thing I am kind of happy about is to have Detroit in the conference again or in the division again. 
uh, for a season because that rivalry, I miss that. That used to, you know, make my blood boil more than anything. And now that they're in the East, they're just kind of another team. It just, eh, they only play a couple times a year. And I don't know, I, I, I would like meaningful games against Detroit to come back somehow. And I know they won't be, well, maybe they'll be meaningful in the race for the last pick, for the first overall mm-hmm. pick. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's meaningful. But um, I don't know, I'm, I'm happy to see the Red Wings back on the Hawks schedule more often. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. Look, however the divisions would have aligned. Even in your traditional central division, the Hawks would have had a tough time, too. It's a really strong uh, top-to-bottom division. I mean, they don't have to play the Blues this year. I guess that's good, right? Because uh, we know St. Louis is on the West Coast. <laughs> yes, and so is Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Minnesota's the, uh, on, on the West Coast alignment. of the Mississippi. Right, right. So, it's look, I am a fan of chaos as long as no one's dying <laughs> from chaos. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to be a lot of fun for me. I, I'm really looking forward to it. 56 games it's going to be it's going to fly by and uh, i cannot wait i hope that the 13th is the day it works out i think canada will find a way to make hockey happen i feel like they might like it up there a little bit more than they like basketball so they might they might suspend disbelief long enough to find a way to make it work um but look man i just just drop the puck i don't i just want to watch hockey the other night i I was sitting around and, and hopes and hope said to me what do you want to watch i'm like you know what i want to watch i want to watch blackhawks hockey it's wow. cold outside. It's December. I should be watching hockey right now. Yeah. And I kind of got like a mini rant about how I can't watch hockey. She's like, we'll put on an old game. I'm like, you're a genius. So I watched, I literally did, this is the, the saddest thing you're ever going to hear in the history of the score. I watched a Hawks-Colorado game from December so I could scout new Hawks defenseman Nikita Zadorov. <laughs> well, I will, we'll look for name. that incident. Look for yeah. that insight on a future <laughs> Madhouse podcast. Yeah, right. And, I, and say, I, agree. I have to say, yeah. he yeah. he was uh, he was assigned to Patrick Kane that night and did a damn fine job. I have to say, yeah. I was impressed. Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Th- that all said, that all said, real quick, and I know we'll let you go. Bears. The bears. 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 Yeah, is that it? Bears. That's yeah, it. of course. Bears. Hey, what's <laughs> the uh, what's the Northwestern score? Is Northwestern losing? Have they started? No, we're not. Yeah, sorry, oh, sorry. College. We don't cover is amateur despicable. sports. Yeah. I hate those <laughs> yeah. people. They're despicable. <laughs> yeah, Jay, we before need I let nice you go. And, uh, yeah. Oh, they're winning. Before yeah, they're up seven three. Before I let you go, Jay, we know Bears. we also need to Bears. add to your. We need to mention as part of your vast or half-assed portfolio, Bears. it includes the, the I'm Fat podcast. So can I run an idea by you that I I made. It was my, my Hanukkah. I made a latka burger where I took some oh my. Trader, Joe, Trader Joe's latkes, made them extra crisp, and used them as buns on a hamburger with, oh. like, blue cheese oh. and, and tomato and the burger. So, go. I mean, you throw a tomato out, but, uh, wow, that is inspired. Oh, how, good. How did you I thought you were that? just going to vomit all over me. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Absolutely not. That sounds terrific. Okay. Wow. All right. Did you hold it in your hand or did you cut it up? No, I I, I held it in the hand. And the problem wow. is, if you here's a here's an expert pro tip. Yeah. If you make don't make two of them, because and don't make them too thick, because when you use like 80/20, which is where all the flavor is and the fat, yeah, it sits on it and it just bleeds into the bottom, and then you don't have a crisp latke anymore. So oh. flat flatten them out and and then make them one at a time because that way you you don't you don't have them go all soft they don't 
completely fall apart from all the fat dripping on them. So you get the crispness of the latke as the bun that you want. That's my pro Ooh, tip. I like that. What if you were to make it big, like a big, like one big latke, and eat it like a taco? Would that uh, prevent, I, or it would probably snap in half if you had it too crispy, right? Uh, it it might. I've not done that. I guess you could fold the problem. The reason I would prefer like Trader Joe's is because they make them, and whatever size they are, they are. Oh, if you right, make right, your right. own latkes, you're gonna your house will stink of onions for the entire length of Hanukkah till next Hanukkah. And your walls will be dripping in oil as you fry <laughs> the, the latkes. So I'm trying to save you pot- potato pancake madness, and you have a year of latkes on your walls. All right. Well, That's I think smart. it's an inspired idea. And look, the first time you try something, it's not necessarily going to work out. My New Year's resolution is to um, perfect a chili verde salsa. Uh, so oh. I tried my, I tried my, I tried it first, and it was good. But I need to roast the tomatillos and the peppers a little bit longer. And I did not pre-roast the garlic or the onions. I need to do that, too. So oh, yeah. next batch, you, you learn from your mistakes and you sure. adapt. So, Steve, Ro- I'm confident. garlic. Okay. I'm, well, we'll I'm confident that by, yeah, by next Hanukkah, you will have this this recipe down. All right. All right. Cannot wait for the traditional Hanukkah recipe of chili verde. <laughs> Terrific. All right. All right. <laughs> Jay, thanks for your time. Thanks Anytime. I appreciate you guys having me on. All Bye, right. Jay. That's Jay Zawoski, The Big 50. Any bookstore, go to call Bookies. They'll have it for you, Bookies and Homewood. It's a terrific book for Blackhawks fans. So we got to take a break. When we come back, um, stuff. I don't know. This is Saturday Suckage. We've completely blown up the clock, but that's what Saturday Suckage is for. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. All right. Uh, we will just let you know two things. One is... The Bears get some good injury news for tomorrow's game, ahead of tomorrow's game. And the Bulls had somebody show up surprisingly last night. So we will discuss all that in the next hour and also what Mark heard. That's coming up. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.